This is Indie Business Podcast, Season 2, Episode 11, Women, Wealth, and Wow. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I'm your host, mentor, and coach, Donna Maria, the founder and CEO at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. My goal is to help makers and handmade entrepreneurs build a solid business foundation, increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. In this episode, I will introduce you to Lisa Price of Carol's Daughter. In 1992, Lisa began making lotions and potions in her Brooklyn kitchen and selling them under the brand name Carol's Daughter in honor of her mother. Lisa opened her first store in Brooklyn in 1999, and in 2005, celebrities and investors, including Will Smith, Jay-Z, and Steve Stout, took notice and invested $10 million in Carol's Daughter with the mission of taking the brand nationwide. And boy, did they ever, and then some. It did not stop there. In October 2014, L'Oreal USA signed an agreement to acquire Carol's Daughter, which Lisa calls her first child. And it just keeps getting better. I talked to Lisa upon her return from the Natural Hair Academy in Paris, where she attended for the second year in a row, last year with her first son and this year with her second. You will enjoy hearing the excitement in Lisa's voice when she describes what it's like and what it means to her to use entrepreneurship as a tool to enjoy experiences like that with her children. As you listen to my interview with Lisa, pay special attention to the things she truly values, even after a multi-million dollar corporate acquisition. You'll be inspired by Lisa's definition of wealth and what leading a business does to challenge and strengthen all of us to be better, not just as makers, but also as women. It's all about women, wealth, and wow on the Indie Business Podcast. You can get a summary for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 24. I'll be right back with Lisa Price. Lisa Price from Carol's Daughter. Welcome to Indie Business Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, Lisa, you just returned from a fabulous trip to France. I was following the Instagram. What an exciting opportunity. And you were able to take your son with you as well. Yes, uh, there's a natural hair show there that's sponsored by the Natural Hair Academy in Paris. And um, I had the pleasure of being able to attend last year. And last year, I brought my oldest son, Forrest, with me. And this year, I got to bring um, my younger son, Ennis, with me me and yeah, I, I love Paris. I've been there twice and it's become a favorite city. Um, the natural hair community there is so great and, and it you know it's just it's really amazing the power that uh, social media has and you know the internet in general because we're not sold in Paris up until last year I had never been there before and there's so many many women there that know me and know my story and look up to me. You know, I, I actually met a woman there. Her name is Kelly and she has a company and she makes products, uh, the, you know, very much the way that I started and I'm her inspiration. And, you know, that's just remarkable to me. It is. And 
amazing that entrepreneurship won you those amazing opportunities. Looking back, did you ever think? Oh gosh, no. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, when I first started, I thought to myself, well, you know, if I can make this successful, maybe I would earn enough money that I could contribute to the household, but still kind of be able to be at home when I have children. Um, you know, and I, I really thought that that's all that it would be. Um, and, and I don't mean for that to sound like if someone, you know, has a cottage industry and, you know, they're earning a living and contributing to their household, that that's small or not important because that's huge. You know, for you to be able to build a business into anything that, you know, um, not only sustains itself but sustains you is success. But that was as far as I thought it would go. To me, that was the ultimate success that I could achieve. So I, I had never envisioned it being what it is now. And, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that too, because everyone has a def different definition of success. And that definition does not necessarily stay the same for the life of obviously themselves or their business, right? Oh, no, not at all. Um, it's... It's interesting because when when I wrote my book in 2004, the editor, um, you know, she said, I want to play around with um, a saying. And I said, what? She said, I want to call your book Success Never Smells So Sweet. And I remember feeling a little bit uncomfortable about that because I felt like I still had so much more to do that, you know, I wasn't really successful and, and I said that to her I said well you know like we still struggle and you know everything is not smooth sailing and there's always problems like I don't know if I would define myself as a success you know I feel like I'm still working at it and she said do you love what you do and I said yes and she said do you know how many people can't say that that in and of itself is a success you get up every morning and you do a job that you love to do you know it's your passion and and I never you know sort of looked at it that way and and that was one of those early moments when I realized right you know success is kind of what I, I say it is not what someone else says it is it's not someone else's measure you know it's my measure it, is my life good is my life balanced am I happy Am I doing what I love? Could things be worse? Could they be better? Sure. But they could also be worse and they're not. So that was a nice aha moment for me. Yes. And you, you've certainly exemplified that, Lisa, because you have redefined your own parameters as you have moved forward rather than looking for external circumstances to do that for you or to picture in advance some thing that you were trying to get to and you weren't going to be happy till you got there. You really just evolved it so naturally and organically. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that is something that I think the traditional business world is not used to doing. And I think there are some that are having a little trouble handling that, right? It's like, we're used to seeing the covers of the magazines that have headlines like, you know, um, here are the, you know, million dollar, entrepreneurs under the age of blah, you know, and those are wonderful. We celebrate that. But sometimes I think we might have the thought because we see so much of that, that what we're doing at our six figure level or, you know, low, low six figure level, mid six figure level doesn't count. And you're yeah. reminding us that it does. That 
that's very true. You know, in in my particular circumstance, the way that my story unfolded, I needed to get to the level that I got to because, you know, I had investors and investors have to uh, be able to exit to get their money back. You know, when someone invests in your business, they're not, you know, invested forever. Your business partner may be in something for the long haul, but an investor, you know, they want to be in and out within a certain amount of time. Um, but if if I had been able at the time to satisfy the demand that was out there with my own uh, parameters and what I had, that would not have been a bad thing. It would not have been a negative for me to stay at 750000 a year as long as I could be profitable. Um, but my particular scenario was different and there was so much demand and not as many companies um, out there servicing that demand as there are today. So it was either grow to meet the demand or figure out how I'm going to cut back and tell people, sorry, I can't fill that order, which, which was awkward to me. (laughs) That didn't seem like the right answer. Right. And I love that you mentioned that too, because it wasn't the right answer for you, but it might be the right answer for someone else. And that's okay. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I've met women in, you know, the 20, almost 22 years that I've been doing this. And there are some uh, women who are, you know, crafty, they make soaps, they make creams, they make sea salt scrubs. And the last thing that they want to do is have a retail business. They deal with wholesalers. You know, now people have websites because they don't have to interact with customers, but their personalities just don't lend themselves to interacting with individuals one-on-one. And even though their product is beautiful and wonderful and people have said to them, oh, you should open up a boutique. They're like, no, 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 no. I, right. I go into my workshop. I, I make my stuff. I ship it out. I don't talk to anybody, you right. know. And, and, you know, you have to do what works for you because when you're doing something that's uncomfortable, that's awkward, it's not organic to you, then, you know, you can find yourself unhappy um, and, and also unsuccessful if, if, you're, if you're in a situation that you cannot adapt to. Right. And how beautiful it is that as women in particular, we can build our businesses around those aspects of our personalities. And I think that's a relatively new phenomenon in the history of entrepreneurship. Yeah, it, it, it definitely it definitely is something that um, I feel like is celebrated a little bit more now mm-hmm. um, than maybe it was in the beginning. You know, I've, I've gone to... Uh, women's empowerment conferences and entrepreneurial expos, expos and things like that in the past. And now, you know, I get to speak at events like that. And some of the themes are still the same. You know, people are trying to figure out how do you manage, you know, the work-life balance? You know, how do you, how do, you do it with kids? I have two kids. How do you do it? Da, da, da. Um, those uh, themes are consistent, but there's, I don't you know, this celebration of, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what feels right to me. This is what my spirit is saying I should do. And I'm going to figure out how to make this work. And that faith, whether the faith just comes from within the individual themselves or their belief in God, it, it helps to fuel them 
them and it all becomes part of the business and people are, are less uncomfortable speaking about faith and gut and intuition at the same time that they're talking about business. And I think people were more fearful of that before. Yes, and I love that what, what the picture that developed in my mind as you just spoke was the beautiful overlap between the making of the product, the making of the business, and the making of the life. Oh, man, that, that yeah, that is, I, I have said to people so many times that I don't even know who I would be mm-hmm. as a person if it wasn't for my business because... I changed so much, you know, the, the, the path that the business put me on forced me to grow, be stronger, be more mature, um, do things that I never thought that I would do. And, and I've always compared it to, you know, your children, you know, you, you have a child and there are things that you'll do for your child that you just would never do for yourself or anyone else. You know, mm-hmm. if God forbid your child is in danger, you are not going to think twice about risking your own life to save them. Right. It, it's it's like after the fact, you go, wait a minute, what did I just do? I right. remember Forrest, Forrest was about 13 months old and the front door was open because somebody was, was exiting the house and he came downstairs and just ran outside. And I, and I turned and I said, wait a minute, where did he go? Did he just go outside? And it was dark outside. I ran down the street to catch my child foot, foot. I would never do, I would never go outside barefoot and walk down the street. I could have stepped on, I didn't even think about it. It was like, my baby's running down the street. Right. <laughs> you know, so you're, you know, for me, Carol's daughter put me in situations where, okay, you've got to make a speech. A speech? Really? I have to, I've never done that before. How do I? Yes. <laughs> what do you mean I have to make a speech? You know, and you're, and you're uncomfortable and you're sweating and your stomach is all knotted up, you know, mm-hmm. but I figured it out. You know, you, you're going to do television. You got to do an interview. Oh my God. How do, how do I do, wait, the camera's going to be on. Wait, wait, you know, <laughs> and you figure out how to do it. You know, now I'm selling on television you know, I, I do speaking engagements, I do interviews all the time, and I, I don't, I mean, sometimes I still get nervous depending on the size of the audience or if there's something different about what I'm doing, um, but the nervousness doesn't scare me like mm-hmm. it used to. Um, and if it wasn't for my business, I, I wouldn't have become this person. Oh, that is such a, such an amazing encapsulation of what entrepreneurs go through, the, the fear at the beginning, and, and and being able to fear you know beginning, fear in the middle right right a different kind of fear the the fear is redefined mm-hmm. um so so this is wonderful so you just mentioned 22 years lisa my goodness i can't even you know it's like i can't it's just it just is so amazing <laughs> to think about that so you have seen so many things and i remember the first time i encountered a carol's daughter product i was at a women's conference in pennsylvania i walked up to this lady's table and she had mimosa hair honey and i thought it was the most amazing thing because it was such a pretty color because back then i remember you were mixing the alkanet yes, and yes. yes and it was so beautiful and she was so excited. And I remember because she, because she, she was so excited. I had, <laughs> and it was so pretty. And it's so, so fast forward to all the time that's 
that has passed and all the amazing things that have happened for Carol's daughter. What what is your definition of wealth now that you have, you know, moved forward in your business and achieved things that at the beginning were just sort of not uh, on the play card? How, how would you define wealth in 2016 where we sit today as women entrepreneurs? What's the definition for you, Lisa? Okay. So the first thing that I <clears throat> I want to say is I know that people usually sort of project uh, wealth onto me. They always have, you know, the assumption is, you know, I'm, I, I have Oprah money. Um, I don't, not at all. Um, nowhere near it. <laughs> I don't even know what zip code that town is, you know. Um, so because of the acquisition that we've gone through, I do have a financial security and stability that I did not have before. Um, but it's, that's not even what the wealth is. That's part of it because you work for 22 years. So you would like to get to the point where you don't have credit card debt anymore. I think that's fair. You know, 22 years of hard work, no more credit card debt. Cool. Um, but it isn't to me, wealth isn't, you know, how many cars you have or how big is your house or you know, how many of them do you have? I, what I love is that I have a place to go to work every day that I love. You know, the energy in our office is wonderful. Um, the way that it's decorated is beautiful. My office is comfortable. I, you know, I have pieces from my home in my office. So I don't feel like I'm at work um, when I'm in the office. Um, I have an amazing team here. To that, you know, that work with me and and help to build the company. And it's always we, you know, we do everything because I can't do anything by myself. I love, you know, having my family, you know, having teenage sons that still don't mind hanging out with their parents and doing things with their parents, year old, year old, year old daughter that still has all of that newness and discovery about her, you know, our home. Um, I, I'm, 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 I'm happy that I'm surrounded by people who love me and, and I have a very strong um, external family, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles. And that is wealth to me, you know, having people around who love me, getting to do what I love to do every day. And then, you know, it's like a bonus that I get to inspire and help other people. Um, but yeah, I, it's... I, I don't think I could ask for anything more. And every single day, I feel very, very blessed, very blessed. And, and so Lisa, to, to summarize what you just said, first of all, I'm, I'm, I have a lump in my throat from from what you just described, because it is such an amazing blessing to have the things that you just mentioned. And what you described is the community, you have community in your business, you have community in your life, you have family, and you have freedom, freedom from debt, freedom to enjoy doing the things that you like to do. And those three things are just, if, if you can define even success, whatever that means, with those three things, what, what a blessing and what a privilege it is to live in this time. Don't you think when the internet has come along to make it possible for so many more people to be able to pursue that kind of wealth? I, you know, when I think about the money that I used to spend printing and mailing brochures, mm -hmm. 
you know, it's, it's so foreign now. You know, we print things now, but we print, you know, a bounce back card, an insert that's going into an order, an informational booklet that's going to trigger future sales. Um, but even that is, is somewhat minimal. Everything that we do is digital. There, you know, there's so much digital communication and it's, it's remarkable, you know, that, that things have evolved in that way because I could not make a dime without printing paper. And it was always such a challenge, especially at Christmas, to have enough money to buy the raw materials to make the inventory so that you didn't run out of stuff. Because the last thing you want to do is run out of product on December 21st. And you're like, oh, my God, I have four more days of shopping. And, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just you just see all of the money that, you know, you could have potentially made. But then in addition to that, having to have thousands of dollars just for postage, you know, and thousands of dollars for printing. I mean, there was a time when I would have friends that would let me use, you know, Xerox machines in their offices and I would buy the paper and, you know, go to an office at two o'clock in the morning and run off a brochure. So I wasn't paying a printer, but I couldn't do that forever, you know, and when the numbers got larger and larger, I had to pay somebody to print it. It got to the point where you got to pay somebody to design it, you know, and then that that postage would just, it would kill me. Yeah. It would just... And then we got to the point where we were doing bulk rate and even the bulk rate was still expensive and it was so inconsistent. You know, you would get a complaint that the customer got the brochure four weeks after Christmas and you mailed it out, you know, November. Right. Yes. So many things that you can't, you can't control. And we obviously still have things we can't control, but with technology, there are so many things that we can create. We can create new systems. We can bypass a lot of those institutional bureaucratic requirements, so to speak, mm-hmm. and make it look how we want it to look. Absolutely. It, it's it's such a different world. It really, really is. It, it is an amazing time. So Lisa, what, what are your tips for someone who is making their products, you know, for makers and handmade entrepreneurs who want to stay profitable, they want to stay ahead of inflation, as you mentioned, but they just don't want to become... Um, you know, a household name, so to speak. If you had stayed in that space, what things do you think would be really critical for you to do on a consistent basis to maintain that? Um, I think just in thinking about, because when you're, when you're 30 something, you know, I was 30 something when Mm -hmm. I started, Mm -hmm. um, you look at life very differently than you do at 50 something. Mm -hmm. So while I still love mixing things in the kitchen and playing around with flowers and stuff like that, if I woke up every day with, okay, I need to make four dozen of these and two dozen of those and six batches of this and, you know, 72 jars of that, like it used to be 22 years ago, um, that would be more challenging now that I'm older, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you know and, and I'm not saying it like, you know, I'm falling apart. It's just your body just doesn't do certain things as easily as it did before. So I think in in planning how you evolve, you have to factor that into it. So, you know, what size is comfortable and profitable for you? Mm-hmm. How much do you have to put out to make enough to live off of? And if you are physically 
not able to do it or if the, the physical aspect of the work becomes taxing, do you make enough money to pay someone to do it? And if you don't, do you need to scale up to a different level so that you can have people that you're paying to do the manufacturing and then you just run the business when you get to that point where you know you're 57 and getting up to make you know 22 loaves of soap is just not the, the move right it's just <laughs> it's not the move in so many ways but <laughs> but you know and and the the blessing again of that is that you have that option but I love the point that you made about making sure you plan for it I know you know you know, physically, everything is, you know, the same as it's always been for me, thank God so far. But the the growth of my children has mm-hmm. forced me to do things mentally, mm-hmm. and nothing to do with physical, but they just require a different level of energy. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't have any when I started my business, but I did plan the business so that when I did have them, I would be able to maneuver around their world and still keep the business going. Right, right. And then figuring out ways to to save. That's really hard when mm-hmm. you're an entrepreneur. It was very, very hard for me, um, you know, because sometimes you'd have something saved and then something would happen and you'd have to save the business. So, right. you know, you pull your savings in and you put it into the business. So, you know, trying right. to be disciplined about those things, remembering to pay yourself first, yes, um, which is something that we don't always do um, when we're entrepreneurs, but but it's something that you have to do. And it, it was something that I did and then I would have to spend it and then I did do it again and then I'd have to spend it. And, you know, thankfully I'm in a position now where I know what I need to keep in the bank and I'm not going to touch it. Um, but that, that was, that was very challenging. And, and it, and it goes back to that, like you'll give up anything for your child. Mm-hmm. You do the same thing with your business. Like, you know, you shouldn't touch your bank account, but man, we got to fix that piece of equipment or, you know, the electrician needs to come in and rewire something right. and then go and you take out that 3000 or that 4000 and you cover it, uh-huh. you know, you want to keep everything going. Yes. Yes. You know, and, and Lisa, as we come to our conclusion, I want to ask you if you would share your insights on developing community around a brand. And I'm not just ask, I'm not just asking about buyers and customers. I'm asking about community. Carol Storter has such done such an amazing job of doing that. Can you share your insights and your approach to creating that? Because I think whether you want to be a very, very big business or you want to stay small, whatever that is defined for you, community is critical. Do you think? And, and how do you create that? What are your strategic insights where that's concerned? Um, I, 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 I'm not sure that I have specific strategic insights, but um, I think because I have been in the business of natural hair um, and that community has always been vocal, even though it's changed quite a bit in 22 years, it was a completely different community 22 years ago than it is today, and it'll probably be very different 10 years from now. Um, but it's always been vocal. It's always been kind of lifestyle. So even though it's beauty, um, it's beauty products, it's shampoo, conditioner, and that can seem sort of like fluff, the fact that it was um, developed and founded at a time when a movement began 
The movement isn't about fluff. So the movement has empowerment and celebration of uh, natural beauty and, uh, you know, the, the, the power that, that is a woman and, you know, not being ashamed and not hiding and not covering things up. So there's so many other messages that come into play. And with social media, you don't just have to sell. There are times when you when you do say, hey, you know what? Did you know Carol's daughter's now at Walgreens? You can get almond cookie at Walgreens. You know, there are times when you have to say that because you have to drive your business. But that might be something that we do three times a week, but we're posting five times a day and we're celebrating. Look at how beautiful this woman is. Oh my goodness, look at her hair. Isn't this little girl adorable? What do you think of this quote? Look at this sunset, you know, and and you're able to to pull people to you that can support you um, and be with you and understand what you're going going through. And because of social, that community is even larger. Um, you know, I had a community when I sold out of my home and I had a community when I did the different street fairs. And then when I opened my first store, you know, that community was standing outside waiting to come in, but now that community is so much bigger because she's just using her thumb and clicking to connect with us. And, you know, I think if you're authentic and you talk about what you believe in um, and you don't necessarily focus every single time on the dollar, but the person and what is it that she's interested in, it, it makes her sticky with you. And, and you know, I, I think we've done a good job of figuring that out. I think that's absolutely the case. And what you just described for anyone, no matter what your business is, is being able to f- identify that community and then relate to them and engage with them in a variety of different ways. And hopefully you love the community because the community is something that you want to tap into because it means something personally to you. So hopefully it's really, you know, it takes time and energy, but it's not really work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. I, I'm surprised at how much I enjoy um, social media. I finally figured it out three years ago and Instagram helped me to figure it out. I, I, to this day, I I'm like, eh, with Facebook, you know, (laughs) I really love Instagram. Um, Yes, you do. Yes. (laughs) Because it's visual Mm -hmm. that it helped me to get it. Um, But I, I, I love that I can, share with those who choose to listen who I am because there's some people that thought that they knew who I was because of Carol's daughter or because of what they read in an article and you know they see me put up a music artist or a video or something and it's like wow you like that music you know um so now they're sort of discovering you know who I really am and that's a difficult thing to do when you're using traditional marketing, you know, building that personal brand, you know, you have to have the PR person who's putting you in places so that people see you and doing guest spots on different shows. And, you know, it's a very daunting task. And, and what, what is also interesting is that millennials today, they don't know you if you're not on social media, you kind of don't exist to them. That is so true. And, you know, that became very clear to me when I was on a college campus speaking to students and listen to them talk about 
people that I thought were quite well known. Um, and they were just kind of like, oh, I don't know anything about her. She's not on social media. I don't know what she's about. You know, she has no Facebook page. So, you know, I'm not even into her. And right. I was just kind of like, wow. Light so bulb moment. <laughs> yeah, you're invisible if you're not, okay, okay, I get this. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. very interesting. And, you know, on your Instagram, you have done such an amazing job, Lisa, of leveraging your personal brand for the benefit of Carol's daughter and leveraging the Carol's daughter brand for the benefit of yourself personally. And do, do you feel that on Instagram? Do you feel that that is an overlap that is natural and that benefits both of you in that way? Um, it, it definitely is natural because it is not planned mm -hmm. at all. The Carol's, right. daughter, the Carol's daughter social media people, they plan out their month. You know, I follow them, they follow me. But right. we never coordinate, you know. I never go to them and say, hey, I'm going to do something with Jada and you guys should do that, da, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. like that that never happens. And at one uh, Woman Crush Wednesday, I was thinking about doing um, Woman Crush Wednesday with women with short hair. And I just hadn't gotten to it because I was busy that day. And Carol's daughter did the exact same theme. <laughs> so oh. I did <laughs> something different, you know, because I didn't know what their theme was. And I said, you know, this is so funny. We're so in sync, you know, because yes. I was the exact same thing. So it definitely does have a natural flow because we don't plan it. We don't plan it together. What good synergy. Wow. And, mm -hmm. you know, and so for those of us who are our brands and our personal brands, and we do do all that work together, that coordination can be even more natural. And what you just said, was the key word and that is being authentic. Yes, yes. And wow. you know what else what else I love about it too that I have my own personal thing is when political things happen um it's really not appropriate for Carol's daughter to comment on it. Right. You know because then it can kind of look like oh Mike Ferguson was shot and you're trying to capitalize on it by putting a picture of him on your feed right it's just it's just not right but as a person i can totally do it so i love that balance you know yes. when carol when carol's daughter the brand has to be silent because it's the correct thing to do lisa price can give an opinion and then people sort of feel like Carol's daughter spoke. Yes. Even though the company didn't. Yes. And oh my gosh, that is just, I hope everyone got that. We we have just started social media tips with Lisa Price. And we, <laughs> but you know, quite naturally we did that. I did, we didn't plan that. We talked a little bit about what we were going to talk about. We did not plan that. But, but social media is such an intricate part of building a business that I'm kind of glad we got there, especially where Instagram is concerned, because it is so powerful. And I'm going to end with this question. Where do we follow you and Carol's daughter on Instagram, Lisa, so we can stay in touch with both of you? Well, Carol's daughter is Carol's daughter yes. on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, I'm Lisa Price on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is I am Lisa Price. And we can certainly remember that. <laughs> you can catch Lisa on HSN and enjoy amazing opportunities to learn from her and, you know, allow her to mentor you from a distance. I'm a firm believer, Lisa, that we don't have to personally know all of our mentors. I have several mentors, both men and women, 
Many of them I have never met or encountered in any meaningful way in person. I am a firm believer in that as well. Some of the best mentors that I've had for my business, I've never met. You know, I read their books, I follow them, and I learn from them, but I, I have never had a conversation with them. Yes, I, I, I imagine that along with me, there are millions of women out there that are doing that with you, Lisa. And we're so <laughs> grateful for the example that you've set and for the model that you give us all to follow as a woman, as a mom, as an entrepreneur, as a wife, as a world traveler, and as, <laughs> and, and as a leader as well because we are all leaders, no matter what the size of the business is that we're leading. Thank you so much, Lisa Price from Carol's Daughter for joining us. We will be following you and keeping up with your great products and your great example and just enjoying being able to be on this journey with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Lisa Price. And if you did, won't you show me some love on Twitter? Go to IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash love and you can let your friends know that you enjoy Indie Business Podcasts. I really want to make this broadcast useful for you. And if I am, please let me know by sharing. This improves our ranking online and on iTunes. And I thank you very much for lifting my efforts as I lift you. And if there's anything I can do to improve Indie Business Podcast, let me know that too. There's a contact link at IndieBusinessNetwork.com and you can use that to share what you'd like to see and how I can serve you better. I'll see you on the next episode of Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love.